Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. It's an early one. This is episode 373. I'm really excited to have Joanna Galvo. Gal- mm. You can say it now. Galveo? Galveo. I think okay. you're having me, Dan. <laughs> even better. I'm so excited to have her on because there are certain things that she has learned in six years of running a business that I'm learning now. And I, she's telling how she fell on her face and how she soared. And so I want to know the nitty gritty so I don't have to fall on my face. And I, I thought that you guys would enjoy this as well. She didn't fall on her face that much because she didn't damage anything. Oh, right. But all, yeah, <laughs> not literally, <laughs> but, but I, I love that you're willing to share where you had these, but you have had, because you, um, you didn't give up. You kept trying. Um, I love you have an attitude of nothing was too good for you. Like you, you'll do whatever. Let's learn. You know, let's just take it all in. And so I love that. I love this. Um, but can you give them a little bit of an idea of how you came into the design industry and then when you started your business? So I went to university for graphic design and photography in London, studied at Kingston University. And at the end of the degree, we always put together like a design show and we, we sent invites to all the big agencies to come see our work. And that's how a lot of us get our first job. And that's how I got my first job um, at a small design agency in London. Before that, like in the interim, in the summer, I did an internship at an interior design agency, which was uh, fun and different because I was working with interior designers and then like doing all the, you know, signage like this for restaurants and the logos for shops and things like that. Then I did um, freelance for a family um, for a 16-year-old girl who has a really great charity um, she's now no longer 16, but it was funny at the time that like my first client was uh, 16, a 16 year old uh, driven and ambitious, you know, business lady. And then I had, um, yeah. And then I did another internship at a, a bigger agency of like 150 plus. So I didn't work for that long in the industry, but I liked that I got to experience like a little bit of everything, like being an in-house designer, being a designer for an interior design firm, and then big and small agency. At this small agency, I was loving it. You know, I never thought I was going to quit it because I, I loved my boss. I loved the projects we were working on. I loved the team I was working with. Like I'm, I still keep in touch with some of them, but I was craving more freedom. I wanted more autonomy in what projects I t- took on. We took on. I wanted, I wanted to talk more with the clients. I wanted to, you know, work on maybe a little bit different projects that excited me. And I wanted to go back home to Portugal more often, be in the sun, go travel, like all these things that I felt quite constricted by my, uh, in my job, not to mention the hour and a half commute that I would do each way. It all started to play into like, okay, maybe there's something else out there. And, you know, I think it was thanks to the commute in retrospect that, you know, commute can be a blessing and a curse because it's, it's, such a waste of time. But at the same time, it was precious thinking time. It was time for me to read and consume podcasts and all the things. 
And that's where I started to um, watch a lot of videos um, on Marie Forleo's channel, who opened up my eyes to the possibility of maybe one day having an online business. And it was when she was launching her online course, B-School, which I know Eva, who's, who's live, she took it um, this year as well uh, and experienced similar results. Um, it was thanks to her launch that someone um, saw one of my comments on the YouTube video. She, she did. She does like the three-part video sequence that a lot of people who launch online courses do. And in one of them, she wrote... Uh, she asked us to finish the sentence. So wouldn't it be great if, and this is a great exercise for anyone listening, like, wouldn't it be great if, because it helps you think positively, like, wouldn't it be great if I magically got landed this big name client or if I got this, you know, I still do it to this day. And so I wrote in the comments, wouldn't it be great if I magically got some freelance clients to get me enough money to enroll in B-School. Now, B-School is like a $2,000 investment. I think it's a little more now. And one woman saw my comment and she clicked on um, my website. She liked my work. It was just my university portfolio. It was not even a client-facing website. And she said, well, I don't have $2,000, but I have $800. Does that buy me a logo? And that was my first client. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I played it cool. I was like 800. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, yes. Like I'm almost halfway there to enrolling in B-School. Um, so I, I like created this. I was like, well, I can't just deliver the one logo for 800. I have to like create this whole experience to make it worth all this money. You know, in my head, it's like 800. That's like um, almost a month's salary. That's so much money. So I created like the, all the things, all the bells and whistles, gave her the best experience I possibly could. And she was so happy that, um, you know, just right after our first call, she's like, I love this. This has been such a great experience already. Like, I'm going to go post about this in the Facebook group and tell everybody about you. And that's how I got like three more clients that week. And I was able to make the $2,000 in like a week to join B-School. So that was my how I started into design and that was what launched my so business. You, you had graduated, you had heard about Marie through um, just by commuting, right? You had time, you were processing, learning yeah, just things. Browsing YouTube, yeah. Right. So then from that, um, you, and so it's being bold about posting on something that you normally think no one's going to read these YouTube comments, right? But mm -hmm. you never know. So it's sometimes it's just about being honest and stepping out. And instead of thinking that you're just this number or these thousands of thousands of comments in this, that somebody actually took the time and you just said, Hey, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be great? And you, you, you verbalized what you really wanted, which was to go to B-School. Yeah, I think, really cool. I think that's such an important piece. It's like to say it out loud and say it to people um, because you never know who's on the other side listening. You never know how they can contribute. And also it's also that piece of accountability. I was talking to uh, Celestine yesterday. She's a girl that I, I've coached and um, they still like, I had a group coaching last year and they still meet every month. And she was saying that just saying it out loud to the group, help her keep herself accountable. 
you know, she's had, she had this idea of starting this other side business for years, but she never said it out loud. And so that kind of almost stopped her from taking action. But as soon as she shared it, she started to take action. So there's, there's a lot of value in doing that. So as you're doing B-School, because I think it's like um, six weeks or something. Uh, yeah, like eight weeks or something. Yeah. Is, yeah, it's a good chunk of time. And you're there's some time investment that you're having to put in. Were you able to uh, juggle doing that? Because it's also about like diving into the community, which is something that from that you were able to make some other connections, which also got you uh, work and then it led to these lo- long-term kind of clients. So it's not just about taking a class and doing the work. It's also about diving in into the community that is there. So could you talk a little bit about like, what was life like? Were you still, were you juggling so much? Where did you say, Hey, I'm going to stop doing yeah, like waking up at 6am <laughs> doing all the client work, then catching the 8.30am bus, doing work on the train, then going to work trying to like switch gears, like, okay, well, now I'm at work. I need to do like not think about my own stuff. Um, and then leaving at six, doing work on the train home and sometimes working until midnight. Now, of course, this is not very sustainable, this rhythm of like midnight till 6 a.m., but I didn't have to do it for that long. And when it comes to like juggling, like being in the community and studying, I didn't study. Like, let's be honest. (laughs) I didn't, I probably like, I would sometimes listen to the videos whilst working, but I wasn't paying that much attention. I was valuing much more the creating relationships and making connections over learning about business. So how much time did you spend like in that time, so you're doing client work, you're doing your work for your job. And then you're also, when are you putting time in? Because I I think that maybe people are like, oh, I've got to have like four hours a day to be able to do this. And I think that maybe that's a misconception. I think you could spend four hours a day doing it. But uh, I think it sounds like you had a pretty, you were juggling a lot. So how much time were you and, and, what did you have to put in that really allowed you to make good connections? Do you remember? Think about the time we procrastinate scrolling through social media in the evenings on the queue for Starbucks or, you know, in the toilet. <laughs> Any liminal time you were using. Any time that it would be that kind of time. I'd be like making friends. I'd be scrolling through the Facebook group. I'd be like, oh, someone needs help with a website. Let me just comment like, hey, I can help. Oh, someone is asking the, about which uh, logo they um, the, the group prefers. Let me show people that I am an expert in this and and justify my decisions and, you know, give value. And, and just I kept showing my face until I almost became uh, without wanting to sound vain, but almost became famous within the community because I was always, always helping whenever I saw someone. Yeah. Mm. And I was trying to give back and I was trying to show up and I was trying to like make friends. And I made some, I made some of my best friends in that group. Like I still talk to today. Okay. So what does that look like? So what did that, did it go to a DM and then you said, Hey, let's jump on a call. I always talk about networking like dating. 
like if if you're like think all the way back to when you were at school and you know there's all these people and like how do you make that first connection you know do you like you don't invite them like oh come to my house later let's have a play date you know <laughs> you don't dive in so that, that's one thing like i don't think you could ever dive in straight to the coffee like oh you look interesting let's let's jump on zoom and have a virtual coffee like no you need to kind of earn their trust first so i see it very much like dating it's like you respond to their to their posts and then maybe you ask for the friendship and then maybe you like a couple of their posts and and then if you see like oh they've commented back that's like here's my end to like message them like oh like did that help did that comment help on the post how did it go in the end with that difficult conversation you were talking about you know show genuine interest mm. um never go straight for the sale because also you never know who are the relationships that are going to bring referrals in the future like one of my best friends that i made there um laura husson she at the time had a development agency so it made sense that we we ended up chat no actually before she started with a twitter course and i remember i messaged her i was like ah like i loved your twitter course like it was a freebie like i took it like i got this value like it was so great thanks for putting it out there for free and she started messaging me back a lot and i was like oh okay well i thought you were famous you know like because she had she was a, a couple of years ahead of me in business she had all these followers and i was really flattered that she was talking to me then later she decides to start a development agency and she needs design so we start collaborating with a lot but you know now she's not even doing that anymore and i still helped her with with uh, her branding and then i i put um actually eva who's here on the call i put her in touch with laura and they're now working together and in you know now that laura is not doing websites anymore she'll refer people to me but that's because we have like a really solid friendship like it was never I never reached out with the intent of, hmm, you're going to be a client one day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but also always, I always made an effort that whenever I did get on a call with someone, I would ask like, so where are you at in your business right now? Like, how can, how can I help? Is there any, are you looking for copywriters? Maybe I know someone. Are you looking to get on podcasts? You know, maybe I can introduce you to Diane, things like that. And, and then they'll inevitably ask that in return. So when I was looking to get started um, with speaking, I was getting on the phone with all my clients and friends who had been on stages before catching up. I would ask like, how can I help you? How can I support? I would try and give value. And then when they asked, well, what about you? Where are you at in your business? I would say, well, I'm really, really wanting to get on stages. I've never been on one. Like I really want to start. So if you know anyone, and that's how, that's how I got it to happen really fast. So um, again, stating what you wanted, right? Yeah. Because people want to help. Mm-hmm. Like what? if I told you now, Diane, like I'm, I'm really like looking for, you know, a designer to join our team. Maybe you'd be like, Oh, l- let me help you. Maybe there's someone in the community that I know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I even it's know like people we, in we inevitably <laughs> like we inevitably want to help. We do. I I think that that's, I love how you said go back to school. So in school, there was not this ulterior motive like, oh, well, that he he always brings Twinkies. I'm going to sit next to Dave because I want a Twinkie, you know, (laughs) like there wasn't that thing. But 
I also feel like it's about, it's what we have that isn't, maybe it's not uh, connected to money or it's not connected to anything or it's something that we can share, but we're not losing anything by sharing. And I think that's what this is. I think that there, I think you can fast track it to some extent. I think if you are on a call and somebody is saying something and you hear something then you DM or you uh, say, hey, you know what you said, but you have to be willing to be to speak to their vulnerability. And then you have to be willing to be vulnerable. It can't be like, oh, hi, mm-hmm. I see that you're really having trouble with your mascara running. Um, I sell mascara, right? That or like that would be really insensitive. So it has to be. Yeah. I usually I think that um, making friends is not about uh, a business thing. I think the business comes after. It's just a, it's a, a byproduct of, of just really just loving on people. And I think that when you, if you find people who are also really interested in growing their business, then there are things you'll be able to help them do, even if it's not design or whatever, you would be able to note, like you said, copywriters or web developers, or you have somebody who knows somebody because you are speaking to lots of people. So I think that that mm-hmm. that's really important. I was reading the comments and and it's what um, Eva said that like the biggest source of clients is like referrals and word of mouth. Like there's actually a statistic for that. I think it's like 90% or I'm going to butcher it, but like of B2B business is influenced by word of mouth referral. You know, like if people, like when I was looking for an architect or an interior designer, I didn't go Google it. I asked my friends who I knew had renovated their house. Who's your architect? Did you enjoy working with them? Will you give me their contact? Trusted sources, (laughs) right? And that's why, like even in that, the B-School Facebook group, People were asking in that group, what do you think about this for my logo? It wasn't like, hey, I just put this on Instagram. Let's just see what what the bigger world thinks about this logo. Like that's never really a good idea because again, you want to have a trusted community. So everybody who's Mm -hmm. in that had paid this money. They were focused. They were ready to get their business in the right way so they could ask the right questions and hopefully help her or decide on her logo mm-hmm. better. Right. So I think that having that trusted community, just like you were saying with an architect, this is stuff you're going to spend money on. And it's not just um, people who are just doing this as a hobby, right? This is, mm-hmm. these are people who are committed to their business and you're in relationships with other people like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you start and you've been doing it for six years. You were young when you were starting, right. And you, you did something I think a lot of people do. You, your first hire, do you want to tell them kind of about like just that? Um, well, maybe before you hired anybody, you had, you had a relationship, you made a relationship with somebody and from one of the things from B-School. Do you want to give, tell them that little bit of that story? Do you know what story I'm talking about? The um, lady in New York where you go and. Ah, yes. Because <laughs> there's so many. You I know, know like, I know there are. I've got them though. I've got that's them. That's where I really invested in was like, I invested in relationships and I still do. It's still today. It's the most important thing for my business. I've, I've toyed with ads and Instagram strategy, but even last year, 90% of our business came from word of mouth referral. And I think it was 40% was repeat clients. So the story Diane is referring to um, is, so in, in B-School, 
we got encouraged to reach out to someone of quote unquote influence. Um, and I think there's value in also getting like someone of influence to be your client because um, automatically it's like an instant trust factor, right? Like, oh, well, if Diane is her client, then we can tr- like, if she's good enough for Diane, she's good enough for me. Like, let's get on a call. So I, I had been following this woman, Selena Sue, who was only in her second year of business as a publicist, but she was already getting, um, you know, Danielle Laporte's book featured on Oprah, for example, like she was responsible for that happening. And so she was super connected and just starting out. So I was like, oh my God, how is this, how is this woman like getting in touch with all these like famous people in my eyes, like authors and experts and people of influence. And then she's also connected to the media. Like if I could be like, I could be her friend, (laughs) like, you know, it was so, so that's who I was like, okay, I'm going to reach out to, to Selena. I, I had already been reading all her newsletters and I was getting a ton of value from it. And so I, I started to reply to them, you know, because a lot of um, people, they write in their newsletter, they'll ask a question and they'll invite you to reply. And we always think, okay, yeah, but are you really going to read it? I'm not even going to bother replying. And actually it's surprising at like how no one replies. Like I always say on podcasts, like if you're listening to this, come and message me on Instagram. And it's very little, the amount of people that actually do. And I do reply to, to those. So yeah, don't think that just because someone is famous, they're out of reach. Like do reply to all the newsletters. <laughs> um, and I just put your Instagram up there, which will be below if you're listening and watching. So keep going. I started to, re- to reply to her newsletters like, oh, thank you. This was super helpful today in my conversation with my boss and quitting my job. And like, oh, thank you. Like after reading this newsletter, I got to do this. And then one day I decided like, okay, like she's because she would reply, be like, oh, thanks for sharing with me. And then one day I was like, okay, um, I was working with this um, fashion designer and um, I thought that I could put like I could send Selena a dress and she could feature it in one of the newsletters and it'd be a win-win for everybody. And so I told my client about it, like, do you want me to make this happen? She was like, yeah, sure. Here's the dress. I sent it to Selena. I think that Selena ended up thinking that the dress came from me um, at the time. Cause I don't know. She was like, Oh my God, Joanna, that's so generous. I'm like, yes, yes. But it's from my client. She's like, yes, but tell me more about you. You know? And so I was like, Oh, well I'm doing graphic design. I'm just starting as a freelancer. If you ever need any graphic design work, I'm happy to do the first couple of hours or first job for free because you've given me so much value and it would be just such a pleasure to work with you. And she replied back. She was like, actually, my designer just called in sick and we have a sales page that needs to go live in two days. Can you make it happen? So those days I pulled all nighters <laughs> to make it happen. And um, I think she was really thankful for it. And that like, that helped just foster a relationship. And a couple of weeks later, she posted a, a post on Facebook saying like, looking for uh, an assistant uh, for unpaid week. I don't know how she phrased it, but to help me with my, my mastermind event and for my two year business anniversary party. I was like, 
I I want that. And I remember she she messaged me. She's like, Joanna, this is an in-person job in New York, unpaid. You're in London. And I was like, yes, but I am willing to buy my ticket, to put myself in a hotel and to fly all the way out there and to do whatever errand you want me to, like pick up laundry or clean your floors, whatever. Because I know that by being around you, I will learn so much. So if you'll have me, I'll be super professional. I'll bring a ton of value. um, And I would love the opportunity. And she said, yes. And it was, I remember I was so thrilled. It was so exciting. I was like, I'm going to New York. Like, yes. Um, You know, all out of pocket that I was able to pay, thankfully, through my clients that I was getting from B-School. I flew there like I and we ended up working on really fun stuff. And I was at her house like from 8 a.m. till 8 p.m. And we started to become friends. And I ended up like staying over because I was commuting to and from Brooklyn. And um, we would go out for dinners. She'd take me to the spa. And we just ended up becoming friends to this day. I consider her a very good friend. And she, uh, on the last, like the party, the, her two-year anniversary party was at the very end of that week. And she ended up um, saying like, actually to my party, I want you to come as a guest and we'll have someone, I'll bring in another assistant to assist with the party. And at that party, she had all her publicity clients. You know, there was, Lewis House was there and Jim Quick, he's, he's, like I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he sounds he's like familiar. A brain, he's a brain trainer, and he works with like Will Smith and and the X Men, and like all these famous people. And uh, you know who was there? Ramit Sethi, Derek Halpern. Like in in the industry, these were all like huge names. And to be able to go to that party as a guest and be introduced to, by Selena, like this is my friend Joanna. She's a great graphic designer. It was, I think it's what set me up very early on with like all these big name clients uh, because a few of them became clients and yeah, it was best decision. <laughs> like, I'm so glad I saw that Facebook post um, and that's, that's awesome. how I think I skyrocketed from there. So, so then you, you go, you just, you're still in London when did you move from London back to Portugal? And um, because I knew you, you said when you were uh, in the very beginning, you were like, it was colder. I wanted to be warmer. It was sunny and um, it closer to family as well as Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have the commute. There would be more stability in just the kind of work-life balance that you're, you were able to create. Yeah, so I we moved. Um, my my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he's also from Portugal, and we started to get inquiries for websites. And I was like, "Well, I don't develop," and he's like, "Well, I do." I'm like, really? <laughs> and we started doing work together. We started to get booked out a lot of months in advance. And he's like, "Why don't we start hiring?" And if we hire, why not in Portugal? And he was the one that suggested, like, we might as well end up moving there. You know, we could get office is cheaper there. Um, staff is cheaper. And we would be where we want to be, like next to our family, in the sun, great food, all the things. And it was 
I think it was April we made that decision. We handed in our notice to our landlord and I handed in my notice at work and we were here in July of 2014. Okay. So then you start hiring because you are booked out then and you hired, this was kind of the, one of the things that you learned early that you would do different. You told me you would do it different now. So you hired two other designers that were about at the same level you were. Yeah. So I, or like a year younger than right, me. Right. So, um, but it went like they were 10 years older. Our director had been doing this for, you know, 25 years or something. Right. No. So I thought like, okay, well, um, let's hire, let's hire designers. Um, But since I've never been a boss before, um, I'd rather hire someone younger than me because this is like scary and like, who am I to manage older people? And, you know, just all these limiting beliefs Mm. that I had. And I went on Behance. I, I, I like saw a designer whose work I liked and I knew I could see that she was graduating that year message her. She was still finishing. Uh, she wasn't even done with university. Uh, it, it was like another month. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll wait until you're done and then you can come work with us. That's how I, I made my first hire. And then I hired her friend. And I think what I had shared with you is that in retrospect, Um, that's not what I would tell myself now. Firstly, there's nothing wrong. There's only advantages with hiring people older than you. They've been around doing what they do for longer. They might have been in different companies. They're going to be more experienced in knowing how you can structure um, your business. Like, Four years later, I learned that when I hired our operations, um, our project manager is now also operations manager, Joana Rouge, and she's she's she had been in in the industry doing project management and other like so many other things for ten years longer than I had. And when she came to the business, she was able to say like, okay. Oh, you don't have you don't have systems. Okay, well, let me set this all up for you. Like, oh, you don't have like, you know, for example, legally, we're allowed to we need we need to have like that little sign over there saying um, that it's a electric thing. <laughs> all the things like she she helped us. Like she, I felt so grown up after hiring her. I was like, oh, like okay, this is what it should feel like. Like when I hired the designers, I felt like. I had to work more to delegate and and be able to like make sure they knew what they were doing. Whereas when I hired Joanna, I felt like I had to work less. Like it, it's such a different feeling when you hire someone senior and experienced. It's like they immediately are able to take things off your plate. Because they know how to do things you didn't even know you were missing doing, right? And so because yes. and so that was this it it could have been in hiring somebody that was at your same level or or lower or even if it's like same skills like if you're a letterer and you hire another letterer that letters very similar to you it just leaves that your options for your company is more limited it would be better if you hired somebody 
maybe also lettered, but in a different style than you. So then you have more things to offer those clients or again, skills that you didn't even know to even think about. But I think sometimes our Mm -hmm. first instinct is they'll see that we don't know what we're doing. Right. And then the, the fraud will be out and then, but really it's the only way to really grow. Right. If Mm -hmm. you don't know how to do something, you need to get on the, if you're trying to go up a hill, you need to have the right shoes or the right bike or whatever it is to get up that hill instead of um, just trying to do it in, in heels, you know, whatever it is that you have at your disposal. So um, mm-hmm. Anna had a question about B-School real quick. Would you recommend B-School? It depends uh, where you're at um, in your business. So I think if you're someone starting out from scratch, I think it's, it's great to to do but there's so many other courses out there now you know it's like it's I recommend a lot from um the future I also recommend a lot from one six creative uh so yeah it's go see what b-school has to offer and see if that's in line with where you're at in your business um and and if you're looking to invest in like courses do look for um and if you're looking to have an experience similar to mine where you're able to get clients from the course, then try and look for courses that are more diverse in terms of who they attract. Because if you take a course that is just for graphic designers and you're a graphic designer, you're not going to get your clients from there. But if you take a course on, you could even take a course on like how to set up your own e-commerce store if what you want is e-commerce clients because you love packaging, like that'd be a good investment and study about their business. So you're able to give value when you're working on their branding and packaging, you know, that's something to consider. That's a great insight. Again, seeing where you could also bring value, but also, you know, that now you understand their pain points and there are going to be some things that you'll be able to help them with. So you're making relationships but strategically making relationships. So it does seem like you were pretty strategic even at a uh, at the beginning of your business. Uh, how long until you hired the project manager? I can't quite remember. Um, I think it was two. I said four years, but I think it was like two, two to three. I'm not sure. So the, the designers you had, they stayed for about a year. And then what did you learn from that kind of because it's a relationship. It's not like anybody probably left in a, in a bad way, but, but there's things that you learned about being a boss. You also learned things that one of the, 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 what I called it was delegate responsibilities, not tasks. And I think, was that one of the things you learned in that first year when you hired people? Oh gosh, like where to begin? What did I not learn in the first year? But I think um, if we're focused on just like the big lessons. And um, one of them is make sure that you create an environment where um, people feel safe to kind of manage up as well. Uh, Tell you what they need from you to be able to do their job right, or to tell you why they're not happy with what they're doing um, right now. 
And I don't think I ever created that space in my first year with the two girls that I hired. I never once, I think, asked them, what would you change about the way we do things? I never, I never thought that that was something that could be hugely beneficial. But now I'm always asking my team, like, what do you think of this process? Is it working for you? And maybe it's working for the designers, but not for the project manager. And so she'll tell me and like, okay, well, let's fix it. And I'm always letting them come to the table or I hope they feel that way. I'm always, I know Eric is tuning in live. He's a, a designer at Gift Design Studio. So I'm always trying to make room for them to feel safe and like sharing that. Um, How do you do that? I know Eric in particular, he's very open. Sorry? How do you do that? How do you... Because I think there's sometimes there's that boundary that people don't want to step because it's your boss and you don't know if mm-hmm. she really means that or if she just is saying that, right? How do you make it so that they really do feel like that you've created a space place? And I, I know it's built in trust, but how do you, how are some of the first things, what are some of the things that you do when somebody new comes in so that you can ha- help them to understand that that's part of the culture? Oh, you tell them. <laughs> so there are, there are different ways. Like I will, I'll, like, I will tell them now, like, okay, so the thing that I value most in our working relationship is transparent com- communication. If there's, if you're, there's ever a point where you're feeling really, really stressed because we threw too much on your plate, please do tell us. Cause sometimes we weren't, we're not aware and we can fix it. And we don't want you to feel stressed. If there's an ever like a conflict, if there's ever anything you don't agree with, please do tell us because we're always looking at ways to improve. Now, of course there will be more delicate things that, you know, they might not feel as safe to tell me. Um, I know from like seven years of running a team that sometimes they hold things inside for a while before they have the courage to tell me. Um, so I try and do it in different ways. Sometimes I will get on a call with them just one-on-one because they might feel safer than sharing it in front of the whole team and really ask them like, and how are you feeling about that? And I noticed you were feeling a little bit stressed like in this project. What do you think it was about that project and how could we have done it differently? More recently, I did a written form when I came back from maternity leave asking like what worked better when I was away? Cause I'm sure that I'm sometimes messing things up and they're like, yeah, you know, we ship designs a lot quicker because you don't have to like <laughs> keep sending them back. Um, and then what worked, what didn't work so well? I'm like, Oh, well the social media, like we needed more of your guidance and what to post and things like that. Um, and I found that through during the written form, like one designer in particular, she opened up a lot. So for her, I realized that written form was better. So, you know, I'm always learning. Like now I'm going to be trying like all these different ways. Because I remember at the beginning when I started, when I read, so I read Radical Candor, Mm. which is a great book on leadership. And that's when I first really understood the benefits and the concept of managing up. Mm. And I remember I started to like host these meetings where I asked like, okay, um, who has anything they want to share about what's not working in the business? And everybody would go quiet. And I knew, I knew in my heart because I could feel there was tension in the team. I was like, oh, but there is, there are things that are wrong and people aren't telling me. And I didn't know why, like I didn't, 
you know, I was like, oh, well, clearly I didn't make it safe enough for, for them to share. Or maybe I'm talking about this when it's too late and people don't even have the faith that it's something that could be fixed. Um, because it, we have gone through times like that, times where no one in the team was really happy. Um, and that's, that's really hard as like, as a leader to know that you've, you've created this business and given all this job, all these jobs and there's tension, you feel the tension, you feel like some of the systems aren't working. People aren't really vibing with how the project flow, the clients, the things, and, and you start to think like, Oh, but it's all my fault. (laughs) I hired you. I brought you here. Like I created the systems and all the things. Um, but, you know, we go through it. We went, we got through it. Um, the team looks very different now as well. Like there's so many uh, running a team is the most rewarding part of having a business I find. And also the hardest part. It's also the most time consuming part, at least for me. Yeah. I can only yeah. imagine. Uh, Hannah had a question. She said, have you ever had a senior designer or designers, designers that are, or somebody else in your business that's, um, they have more experience with than you and they might treat you disrespectfully because of that. And she said, it sounds like you've had excellent, you've hired excellent designers that have been really helpful, but just curious how you've handled that or how you would handle that. There have been instances where I have felt like I was um, treated disrespectfully but I don't ever think it was because they were more experienced than I was because I always recognized that. I would always say like, what do you think about this design? Because you have way more experience than I do because you've won awards and because you've like done this project that was amazing. Like, what do you think? Um, At the end of the day, I get it. Like it's maybe it's annoying that I get to have the last word, but when I do have the last word, it's more, I'm more thinking in terms of like, what will the client think? I never nitpick the actual like technical design aspects. Um, But when, when I was treated disrespectfully, I think it was because I just, there was 10, there was conflict in the team and I let that escalate beyond control. And there was a lot of factors here. Um, Not, going into too much detail just to respect everyone in the team but you know it was we grew too quickly things got out of hand I stopped having time for everyone and and I I feel like I might have left the team kind of like figuring to to figure it out on their own and that must have not felt nice and so they maybe they had good reason to be like fed up with with how things were and so you know tension builds People start to get snappy and then, but when, when, if I am ever treated disrespectfully, I will pull them aside and I will ask that was not cool. That cannot happen again. Is everything okay? Because sometimes like you never know, maybe they're going through a lot of tough, tough things at home. And so when that happens, I'll just make sure like, and I'm not great at doing this. Like I'm just, I'm learning, but I, first you want to catch it right away and you want to make sure that everybody realizes like, no, this person stepped the line. It is not okay. Um, Like let's pull them aside. And then it's understanding what's on the other side, what's happening there. I think when this happened, like this happened, like maybe two or three times 
in seven years of running a team. And I would ask them more often than not, they'd be like, okay, well, sorry, like I exploded, but this is not working or this, and this is like making me really angry or I have this going on at home. And I'll say, okay, but it is not cool. Like you need, it is not cool to do that. You cannot do that again, but it sounds like you need to go, go home, go cool off, go take a break, go relax, come back fresh tomorrow morning, or maybe like, I don't know, take a week, you know, because we cannot have that because that can be contagious. Right. And I am guilty of this. Like, I know that sometimes I can, I can get stressed and that sometimes affects the team. So I have to all also always be careful of like, what is my state of mind? So I don't infect everyone else with it. Yeah. It's like, just think about like family dynamics at home. Like it ends up being the same in a business and you have to like juggle it all and juggle all the different personalities and yeah. And the client. So so it's all that, but it sounds like you're, you, you do lean into some of your intuition. So you're reading body language in a meeting, whether it's with your team or whether it's with a client and whether it's a conversation you had with the client so that you know that they aren't going to probably like this this other thing and you forgot to communicate it or you didn't realize that until you saw what had been done or something. And, and some of that's just, you know, it's just life. It, it just happens and you, but it sounds like what I think you've done a really good job is that from the get-go you appreciate and you recognize people for their, for their um, expertise and what they're really good at. And you're not, um, talking down to them. You're also telling them by showing them that you're changing things and you're willing to adjust things all the time. How's this doing for you? Is this working for you? Is this, so it's that uh, Tony Shea kind of uh, Zappos feel that if you don't like change, you probably wouldn't have liked working at Zappos because they're, we're <laughs> always trying to get it better. Right. And so they wanted to um, give, a lot of confidence to those employees, not in which in our field, a lot of places are not confidence builders, they're confidence destroyers. You know, they put you in a place mm-hmm. so that you feel like you have to have them. You need them to that. You're nothing without this, whatever. Right. So I think that you've mm-hmm. set up a, and maybe it's just that you say you tell them yes, but you also show them in how you're interacting with the team in every interaction when you're doing client meetings or in between, or it, that's, that sounds like you're always trying, but it does. It can be very hard because you never really get to let your guard down. You can't take your, it's just like being a mom, I guess, probably like you can't ever really take (laughs) off that hat. You know, you, you are it and that's how it is. Right. Yeah. Leadership is, is challenging in so many ways because you have to keep, and it's leadership in the team. And also like now that, my Instagram audience grows, I feel like I have this sense of responsibility, like, okay, well, how do I want to show up? Who is the Joanna that I would look up to? Mm. Um, I know Lady Gaga, I think it's Lady Gaga who says like, I want to be, oh, what did she say? Like, I want to be the kind of person that I want to go to bed with or something like that, you know, like, you know, who do I, who do I have to, what would the Joanna that I would admire, Mm. how would she react to this right now? Mm, it's a good question. Another good question for us to ask. Yeah. Matt, Matt had a question. Yeah. And is there a different approach to hiring like 
administrative assistant or somebody in an administrative role in your company compared to doing somebody doing design uh, or maybe a contractor, somebody who's doing art for you? I think you, when you're hiring someone, you need to get very clear on what are, what are the responsibilities they're going to absorb. And for those responsibilities, what kind of person do you need for that job? So for a project manager, what is the responsibility? Like, okay, well, the project manager has to oversee the team and communicate with the client and make sure that the projects are delivered on time and on budget. And so you know that the skills they need to have is they need to be like, um, they need to be finishers instead of like a person like me who's a quick start. I love to start things. I never really see them through until the end unless I've got someone like our project manager helping. They need to have like, great attention to detail. Um, they need to be great communicators. They need to love, I don't know, love organization and Excel spreadsheets and all the things. And so, yeah, you, you start to like get clear on like, okay, this is, this is what I need. But actually like I got really lucky. I was introduced to uh, Joanna, our project manager by a designer who was working for us because I didn't even know to hire a project manager. But he was like, look, it looks like you're not having a lot of time to, because there was four designers at, at the time. Looks like you don't have a lot of time to like do all the emailing, all the scheduling, all the meetings, and then still help help us with creative direction. So we, I think you need someone like my friend. Can you like talk, like, why don't I set up a meeting? And, you know, I think she was interviewing me more than I was interviewing her in retrospect. You know, she was at a great job. And she needed to know, like, okay, well, there's this, like, 24-year-old girl who's, like, considering hiring me. And she, like, I don't know what was going through her mind at the time. But, you know, she, in retrospect, I, I think she might have thought things like that. Like, is this really going to, is this business really going to survive? Like, am I leaving a good job to risk it all right now? So we had, like, I think two or three meetings, long meetings before um, we both are like, we're like, okay, let's do this. Um, and the, yeah. And I think a lot of it was her interviewing me. One of the big things that I wanted to talk about that we're almost out of time. So we'll have to do a part two. Um, but one of the big things was that you started offering, you productize your services. So there's a whole bunch of things with automation that you've done, but but then just productizing your service, was that from her coming in or was that stuff you were learning on your own and then you were able to actually implement it because you had somebody else to project manage the projects? I think it was a combination. I think she brought a lot of things to the table um, in terms of like starting to create systems because immediately she's like, okay, well, because we, we had already productized the brand identity package. Mm -hmm. um, very early on, I was told to read Built to Sell, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend to any service provider, even if you don't have a team, because it's, and even if you never plan on selling, because it's how to kind of package your services in a way that they're easy to, to sell and then easy to execute and then easy to delegate to. So I already had that kind of figured out. But then she came in and started like writing the processes. So she's like, okay, well, we get a lead in who wants to work with us. What do we do? What's step two? 
I'm like, oh, well, you know, you email them to get on a call with me. Okay. So she wrote the email template. She saved it as a Gmail template. And, you know, with a click, every time there's a lead, it's like, okay, this, this, this. Okay. They say, yes, they signed a contract. What is first step? Okay. Well, normally I send them the, you know, so I had all of this in my head, but she put it down on paper and she, she, um, she documented it um, and found ways to make it better. And so when, um, so it's funny because then we revisited the book, the author of the book. Built, the so I'll look book. it up real quick. Keep, keep talking. I'll, I'll Dan Warrilow or something like that. Um, so we revisited that recently bef- when I found out I was pregnant. I was like, let's read this book together again and discuss how to implement more to make it even more automated. So one of E-Myth is quite, uh, E-Myth is similar as well. Yes. It's a great book. So we, we were like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to take sales call sales calls. How can we make your job easier to close people on the phone? Um, and so we started to, we put together like, okay, well, what is the flow? Cause normally they'll ask, like, I'm interested in in working with you guys and then I get on a they get on a call with me and then I explain the whole thing and we're like okay well let's explain all of that in a pdf let's explain all our process in a pdf and let's already have like this is how much it costs this is how long it is all the frequently asked questions were in there and it's like does this sound like what you want well then the next step is to book a call and on that the intention of that call is to figure out the timeline of your project and just for the final okay. So people were showing up to the call knowing that by booking a call, they had already committed. This was a yes. They had already read through everything and they were just showing up to the call to find out when can you slot me into your calendar. So Joanna was able to have these calls, close the the business, send them the proposal, oversee the whole project. Yeah, and I know some of the clients I never even met which is crazy. <laughs> so without you in that, cause you, you took off four months for maternity leave and you said, this was one of the things that you told me last time we met, you were like, it was not like it just survived. It thrived. It did better at some things. And so I mm-hmm. love that when you came back, you were like, what worked, what didn't work. And so they told you and like that it got out faster, that things um, were released quicker. Right. And I think that there's something to that. But then they also told you where they really struggled, where your guidance really needed to be there. So, mm-hmm. again, it helps make your business more efficient and they feel more ownership. They feel like they're a more critical part of what the business is and, and how the business moves and changes and grows. So productizing that too. <laughs> productizing your um, the the branding offering, but then what about those people that are still having questions that weren't they read through the whole PDF, but they still had or they wanted more custom? Is that something that you still would take, or would that be at a different price? Like when are you like do you give them that kind of like contract where they're signing it and this is how much it's going to cost after you do the timeline because you don't really know until then or. Is every- yeah, so if, if it's the branding, the, the contract is a template as well, and it takes five minutes, like we timed it five minutes to like input the dates, get all the fields done, and the proposal shipped out to the client. So we, we always tell our clients, if you don't go through this first, 
we generally don't take you on. Like if you already have an existing brand identity and you just want us to create like packaging, like put it on a box, we don't do if we didn't do the brand identity ourselves. If you want us to do a website without the brand identity piece, we don't do. So we always say like, you have this is the way in to become our client. You have to go through this process. And so that makes it really easy to, to like onboard new clients. Now, existing clients, when I was away, did come back and they already know Joanna, you know, so they'd be like, hey, we're launching like now that you know, there's a pandemic and we can't do our events anymore. We're doing this online event. We need like this landing page. Here's the copy. How much it is? How much is it? When can you make it happen? And that's when we really involve the team. So Joanna will look at like the team and who has capacity and she'll ask them like, how long do you think, how long do you want for this? Mm. And she'll like, she'll maybe add in a couple more hours just for buffer. She will like put in, um, she will, she knows what is our target per hour and how much profit we should be making all of that. And she will then get back to the client with the information that the team have given her. And I think that's really cool because the designers, they know that they're the ones that set the timelines Mm. and they're the ones that set the estimates. So there's like, we're not throwing them in the deep end. We're all in this together. So I'm going to ask this last question. Rafi had a um, great, (laughs) he says, so he's enjoying this for sure. (laughs) So is the contractor template bespoke or is it a part of your project management software? We wrote it all or well with our lawyer and we keep adding to it. Like every nightmare client, we're like, oh my God, like they did this, they disappeared on us. We need to like, we need to add this in. Um, we use PandaDoc. That's the software. It doesn't have to be that. I know a lot of people now are using Dubsado. I think Dubsado. It's uh-huh. Yeah. Sado. Um, yeah. And so it's, we wrote it. So it's, it's bespoke in the sense that, it's custom to us and we mm-hmm. wrote it, but then it's the same for every client. So then we it, just it, swap out the dates. And then that's where you are able to uh, productize or, or automate because it can, everybody goes through that same process because you're, if you did mm-hmm. have something that happened with a nightmare or a designer's like, Hey, we really need this in there. Then you would write it in so that they would be answering those questions in yeah in something do they still the designers do they then would they meet with the client or just joanna we're playing around with this um we're playing around so i think when when i was on maternity leave it always be like joanna and a a designer so that they had like the technical aspect on the call as well um we're now seeing like what would make sense like do, do I even need to get on a call still, mm. you know? So we're still like, we, we always revisiting our systems and the way we do things. And, and, you know, now that we have some more senior designers in the team, then maybe we're, we're going to change it up again. So is I don't like, think there's a right or wrong answer. Is it all the time or is that quarterly you say, Hey, we're doing this, we're going to reevaluate, or is it after every project you kind of reevaluate? I wish I was that organized that it's like, let's do a quarterly review. And that's whenever something doesn't feel right. Whenever like we keep like things get lost in, in, in communication or like, God, the same thing keeps happening. Every project where we go through this and the client disappears on us. Okay. Well, let's build that into the, 
uh, not only is it in the contract, but now let's reinforce it with every email. Like you've got two business days to give us feedback or this happens. Um, in terms of project management software, we are now working with Notion. So we got it all custom built for us uh, with um, Molly at Notionology. We tried other things in the past, but they didn't really work. But I think the most important piece is like a good process and where you've gone through every step of the process and looked at like, okay, well, the first step is to get on a call. Well, we're spending like about six emails back and forth to get on the call. Let's use Calendly. Okay. That solved that problem. Okay. I'm spending about five minutes writing this email, but it's pretty much the same every time we onboard a new client. Okay. Well, let's create it into a Gmail template shaved that time off you know like there's always things we can refine like even now we're looking at how can we make exporting the final logos faster and there's like a great extension um the logo illustrator expander extension i don't know the name but the logo package yeah i know exactly what you're talking about and it and it's great It, it saves hours um you know so we're always looking at like how can we be more efficient so that we have more time for the stuff that matters, like for the creative mm-hmm. coming up with ideas and doing research? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I agree too. This is awesome. Uh, I want to make sure you guys know how to um, get in touch with Joanna and you guys can remember, you can e- uh, message her on um, Instagram, if you go Instagram. and I'm putting yeah. all of those in. So her website is giftdesignstudios.com, G I F. And then on Instagram, it's Joanna, J O A N A G A L V A O D design. It's just yeah. Joanna Gal. Mm-hmm. G-A-L-V-A-O design. I know, but then I said it with a D and I was like, well, I should have just spelled the whole word design. Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Joanna, thank you so much for doing this. I super appreciate that you were able to share that you just, you have such a great attitude of learning and growing and that you're willing to share when things didn't always go right and that you are willing to admit that things don't always go right and that you're always willing to to make that but it is hard it's hard to always have that that hat on and i hope i know you got 4 <laughs> months but i know there were sleepless nights but they weren't due to a client or an all nighter it was baby <laughs> all night all nighters so i'm just <laughs> i'm just very thankful to know you and you just are really inspiring so i didn't get all my questions, but we'll just have to have you back on to get the rest of those answered. But thank you for doing yeah, it. And thank you guys to. for coming early and we're taking next week off, but then um, the week after that, we'll be back. And Andrew Burnett from Scotland will be talking to us about naming and because we all think, oh, we could probably come up with something, but there's so much more <laughs> to everything when you, it is hard. <laughs> it is super hard. And especially if you, it's, it's, I, again, it's kind of like, these are things that we feel like we can do when we're early in the game. But then when we realize all these other things, it's like putting a business together. You just don't realize what you don't know. So having somebody who ex, you know, is an expert in this thing, it's so great to have them on, on the team to do that, to handle that so that, cause you didn't know all, all the pitfalls that c- you can go through when you're, starting a business or you're hiring someone or you're trying to automate your systems or project manage or all, all the things that go into that. But 
I love your leadership style and I just wish you all the luck and I can't wait to have you back. Joanna, thank, thank you, you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Thank you. And we'll see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>